Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars pertaining to game design and publishing. This panel has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2019. Episode 247, How to Start a Business as a Game Designer, presented by Emily Escobar and Chris O'Neill. My name is Chris O'Neill, and I am one of the publishers at Ninth Level Games. Um, we're a small company. There's four of us that make up the company. We've been around for over 20 years, um, which kind of makes us a little strange in the business that we're a tiny company that's lasted that long. Um, uh, and but in the really real world, when I'm not designing games, I actually also work in the real business world. I talk a lot and deal a lot with people. Uh, about starting businesses and how those businesses work. So, um, you know, hopefully we can answer some questions and uh, look at the things. This would be great. Yeah. So I thought first we might dive into some reasons to start a business. And I know it's a little wordy up there, um, but um, just some initial kind of like thoughts that we can run through is just, um, you know, number one, it just makes you a lot more er, official. So you have a a name to your business, you have like an official registered business of the state. Um, It's very tax efficient. Um, It kind of protects you from liabilities. Um, You can also learn how to run a business and it's a commitment to yourself to really follow through. Those are just some of the things that I kind of rattle off here on this gigantic 40 slide. (laughs) That's a lot of words. It is, Uh, it is. (laughs) uh, But you know, to, to, to back up some of those things, like so, the, the first thing you all have to understand is you are a business, right? The moment you're doing this beyond it just being a hobby, it's a business. Even if it's just a hobby business. Um, you know, and the government actually calls a hobby business a business that doesn't make any money, right? So if you spend as much as you make, the government considers that a hobby business, not a hobby. Because hobbies, you just spend money. Right? If you have an Etsy store, right, and you buy 3,000 pounds of clay a year and make 3,000 pound clay statues, uh, that's a hobby, but it's a business because you're hopefully going to sell that statue on Etsy to buy some more clay. 
because um, 3,000 pounds is a lot of time. Uh, but uh, when we start talking about the idea that says that you are a business, if you're here at Metatopia and if you are in this room, you decided to be in this, you're already a business. Whether or not you've made that formal commitment and you're gonna get the advantages that are offered to businesses, that's a different question. Right? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a big misconception is you have to be making money and that's not true. <laughs> like that, you know, if you're going to be losing money, you might as well lose it in a way that's smart. <laughs> so. that, that's more. It's more advantageous. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a couple of things that people uh, often forget about businesses, which is is that most businesses don't make money. Um, most businesses fail, right? Um, uh, the, they they love to throw out numbers like three out of five businesses fail in the first five years, and it's like. 90% of businesses fail on day one. 90% of businesses that fail, fail immediately. They're never gonna to get to five years. Or they're around for 10 years, but they literally never made any money. That uh, still fail, right? Most businesses are failures um, in that term. But having a business, you can have a business. I've done this for 20 years. We have a successful business. Um, it does not pay me anything. <laughs> I've done it for 20 years, right? So uh, it's not always about making money. Sometimes yeah. it's about not losing money. Yeah, that is so true. Um, I thought we could look a little bit about just like kind of the nitty gritty of what types of businesses are out there and what makes sense. And this is, I think it's a really, it's a personal decision at the end of the day. You have to decide what's the best business structure for you. But, you know, before you start the business, you have to decide like, what is my structure going to be? Um, and these are kind of the five main buckets of business structures out there. I would say the three that you really, as a game designer, would want to look at would be the sole proprietorship, partnership, and limited liability companies. So the first two and the last one. Yeah, for most, for most of what we talk about in the world of game design, corporations are not necessary, mm -hmm. right? Becoming a corporate entity has responsibilities that are probably way beyond what you need. For instance, corporations have to file their own taxes, right? So you have to file taxes, and then your corporation has to file taxes, right? Uh, uh, most uh, businesses in the in the uh, the game space are sole proprietorships. Literally, if you are here in this room and you don't have another business entity, you are a sole proprietorship. It's very simple. Um, there aren't any rules that prevent you from doing business as a person. Um, sometimes you're gonna need to file some paperwork to get a legal name. I don't know if you have uh, uh, slides on that, but I mean, yeah. um, so that you can do business under a different name. Um, uh, I, I happen to be in a partnership. I have a partnership, I have three partners. The biggest thing that's important about that is a partnership, it acts like a sole proprietorship, except that you have a document that says, this is how we share these pieces. And so we, but we, just like a regular person, file taxes as part of our regular taxes. Um, uh, but then there is the LLC, and I see that you have some LLC things. This is probably the corporate entity that is most often used by small businesses um, because it gives you a lot of the protection of a corporation without all of the requirements of creating a corporate entity. Yeah, that's what, um, so my husband and I started our business together. We formed it as an LLC, partly also because that's what, we looked at a bunch of boxes of games and said like, what are other game designers out there doing? One's on Kickstarter, you know, like kind of looked at what are, what was maybe the smart structure for, you know, 
for a game design company, and that's where we landed on the LLC because it does offer those protections. Um, but I think if you, again, if you're a single person working on it, like it's maybe less complicated and just easier in general to do a sole proprietorship. I actually, uh, I, I'd actually argue, and I have before, and I will again, that um, a lot of groups of people that are in our industry um, jump too far ahead, right? They're like, oh, well, I need trademark protection, and I need an LLC, and I need all these. And you, you don't really need them until you have some kind of activity, right? Um, you are protected as a person with the, the rights of IP protection and all those things, as a, just as a sole proprietorship. You don't need um, uh, the shelter of a corporation, right? Um, until you start to have assets, um, and you start to have assets, that's when the LLC starts to become a major piece. Do you have a, yeah. do you have a question? Yeah. Sorry, keeping the dates on was terrific, yes. Um, so, is there a benefit to going the LLC if you are in talks with a publisher? Or is it something only for self-publishing? Yeah, I mean, for, for most of the time, if you are a designer, right? Um, it's probably easiest to be a person unless you are going to be signing a lot of contracts and you actually want to wrap that under uh, a business entity. Um, the biggest reason to have a business entity is so that there is, you, you know, it's the, uh, the shield effect, right? That there's this, there's this thing that's not you, right, that you can interact with, right? Like, so... Um, when you have, even as a partnership, like we have a partnership agreement so that says what happens when we have assets, right? As a sole proprietorship, the assumption is they're all your assets, right? Um, the biggest thing that people talk about, and this is where the word liability comes into LLC, limited liability, is um, a corporation can shield you from certain types of liability. Someone, you know, uh, well, I've always made role-playing games, which are, have very few liabilities because no one's ever successfully sued that the role-playing game caused someone to commit suicide. Um, but lots of people have been sued for eating a piece out of a board game, right? Uh, that sounds super dumb, but that's, that's one of those things, you know? But there's all kinds of protections that are just built into our commerce, which unless you're big enough that you think that you're gonna get sued, um, you might not need that protection. So if you're a designer who's just trying to pitch your games to um, publishers, you don't need a corporate entity to do that. Um, unless you had, for instance, this would be a good example. Let's say that you uh, were a novelist and you had a series of novels and now what you wanted to do is you wanted to take that IP and you wanted to branch it out into some different things. So you want to create an entity that was going to hold and control that so that there would be things you could do with it where like you could literally pick it all up itself to someone, mm -hmm. right? That, that is when you want to start thinking about uh, an LLC, right? Um, as a, just as a pure design or creative. From my perspective, I did put all of my game assets, everything I registered for a trademark, I put that all under my LLC. And in the contract, the publisher is basically licensing all of that IP from our LLC. So it's like between our two companies. Um, so that's kind of how we like structured it. But if you're not going through all that trademark stuff and you know, like if you just own the rights, everything, like, like Chris said, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. In your state, is there a compulsory uh, fee you have to pay to 
Where yes, I believe so. I'm in New York State, so I think there is like a refiling fee of fifty dollars every year. I have to double check that, but there. Um, but you, you, we can. I'll walk you through actually in the next slide some like some of the logistical challenges. Is anyone else here also in New York State? Yeah. Okay. So well, we're going to talk about that because there's so many tricky things. I'm just going to say, yeah. state to state, what the various annual filing fees yeah. are when you're initially filing it. California lawyers. So yeah, <laughs> they're all different. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and they're all totally yeah. different. Uh -huh. There's some special special cases. And then if you want to get super crazy, you start looking at entities that are in other countries, and then everything, just throw it all away. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so we can actually move to, since we started down that path, um, if you want to do an LLC, if you want to have all those protections, um, there's just you know, three main steps you wanna determine before you do this. Um, number one is decide what state you're filing your LLC in. And some people think they're being really clever by going to like Delaware where there's no state taxes. Like I didn't do that personally. I was like, that sounds like a lot of craziness. I don't wanna do or deal with state lines. You, you can know, go and you can set up a corporation or an LLC in Delaware or Nevada which don't have corporate uh, taxes. Um, so you don't, you don't have to uh, file Taxes specifically for that entity, you still get taxed on the on, on the money. It's not like it's not like yeah. the taxes don't right. The the problem and the thing that most, if you went and talked to a lawyer in your state, the one thing that they will tell you is unless you are a large entity, right. The problem with doing a getting a registered agent in Delaware or Nebraska or uh, Nevada to do that is you have to then file your LLC under the laws of that state. So if you have a court case, you have to go to that state for that court case. I just, uh, we just signed uh, an artist in Korea and he was really funny because he was like, your, your, your contract says that I, ha I would have to come to Montgomery County, Pennsylvania to settle a dispute. And I was like, Dude, that's just the, don't worry about that. You don't have to, one, we're not gonna sue, right? Like that's the, but, but this, this document is filed here. So this is where, this is where if there was going to be a lawsuit, it would be held, right? That's one of those things you have to define as part of that, um, that business definition. Yeah, and I think like your decision, but for most people probably doesn't make sense to deal with all that. So if you, if you are registering in the state you live, um, you, you know, first need to decide the name of your company and you have to search to make sure no one else has taken that name. And if they have, sorry, think of something else. Like it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure it's a unique name. Um, most states have searchable databases to make sure you can confirm that. Um, and then what you potentially probably want to do is also find a registered agent in the state you live in. So this is a person or company or lawyer who files your business with the state on your behalf. You don't want to do it yourself because it's not a lot of money and at the end of the day it's like they do it right. They like know what they're doing. They do this every day. They do many a day. So it's just a good idea to hire someone else to do it. Plus that whoever files your business, like that address and name becomes part of the official state records and they'll be getting all sorts of fun spam mail from you know people trying to scam you out of money for the future, like people who find these business names and send you fun mail saying like you need to pay this bill, that's not a real bill. So you know, just be aware that that does happen and you know that you want that person in between you. Just as like, just to protect your privacy also, you don't want your home address going there, your apartment number, everything like that. Which is a weird thing when you are a partnership or a sole proprietorship because your 
your address is the address of the business, right? Um, unless you own, you know, and I don't think any of us, you know, have just huge tracts of land where we put our, our business office just for our, our, our sole proprietorship. Um, but there are some ways to protect that, and um, the idea of taking a company name is you can also just file as a DBA, as doing business as, and that allows you to operate uh, still as a sole proprietorship or as a partnership under that business name. So Ninth Level Games is a DBA. Um, you know, we can do business. That's the name of the partnership. We can do business. I can write that on a check. Right? You can write a check to Ninth Level Games if anybody would like to. Uh, well, we'll take any any size. Uh, uh, but then we can just take it to the bank and cash it. Right? Yeah. And then one other thing for I mentioned, New York State has this like fun little thing where basically if you live, if you're registering a business in the state of New York, you have to publish in physical newspapers that your business has been formed. Um, if you live in New York City, that's expensive. That is really freaking expensive. It's really? like a thousand dollars. Yeah. So do not file, for the love of God, don't file your business in New York City. Um, what you can do is you can hire a registered agent in Albany. Yes. And they are much, much, much cheaper. It's like $100 to publish in Albany. And the good thing about the registered agent is they'll send you all the details about how to get that like little notice written up in the newspaper, sent in. Like it's super easy. At first I was like, how, you know, how, like I have to put an ad in the paper. This is crazy. But they make it very easy for you. Just like something to be aware of. New York State is crazy. It's a really stupid law. But my mom keeps the clipping from the yeah. Times Herald newspaper from 25 <laughs> years ago when we put the nine, the ninth level game's name. Yeah. You know, it's this, yeah. it's like four lines in the newspaper. That's official. when you register, so they're like, it's non-negotiable, so don't do it, <laughs> don't do that. The, the good thing is you can register in Albany, even if you don't live there, and then you can use them as your like official address, the, the registry agent as like your official interface address. You can eventually change your business address later if you want, if you don't want to keep using the registry agent, you know, it's like, change your address afterwards to New York City, to wherever you want to, you know, open a PO box or something. And then you're good. Like you just saved yourself a thousand dollars. Congratulations! So don't do don't do this in New York City. Just yeah, warning to the wise. It's um, I actually gave the name of a registered agent um, on this slide. It's New York registered agent. They're cheap. They're great. Um, they'll, they'll take care of you. Um, the other thing this registered agent will do is help you put together all these documents on the right side of this slide. Um, they'll just like templateize it for you and submit it so you don't have to worry about like filling all this stuff out because it sounds really complicated, but it's just like official paperwork that's needed, but the yeah. The one thing that I can definitely say here from a, uh, unless you are a sole proprietorship, unless you are just a one person man, right? You want an operating agreement for your business, right? As a corporation, it's required, right? Because the, what makes a corporation in the eyes of the law a thing is that operating agreement. That is the thing that says this is what the corporation is, right? But like as a partnership, I could just have a document that says Emily and I are partners, we're gonna share everything 50-50, period. That could be our operating agreement. It's a bad operating agreement, but we could make that. Um, uh, when I started my business a million years ago, it was, there was two of us. 
And when we added two more partners, we had to basically recreate our entire agreement because we at that time never thought, oh, how do we add a new partner? Because it wasn't in our operating agreement. It wasn't in our, it, we just got a partnership agreement for partners, but it's the same idea. But defining, and you can find, if, if, if you want to do it yourself, you can find a million templates online that have been put together by lawyers for your state that are ways to, you know, to go. Um, also, a lot of times, if you uh, if there's a CPA that you like, they, they also have that uh, ability because it's a thing that they get asked to do a lot. Because a lot of times, accountants just create entities to put money in because our economic system is dumb. So. And the membership certificates again. If you want to just like, it's just a little template. You can find a million examples that it says you can put like 50, 50, you know. Chris owns 50%, I own 50%. So we each have a little certificate saying we own 50% of the business and that's about as much as you really need to make it official. Now outside of game design, one of the big reasons to open a corporation is because you want to uh, finance things and you're going to sell part ownership in your business. That is almost unheard of in this industry. I don't know anyone It's you know, I'm either buying your company or I'm not. I'm not gonna buy. 5% of it to give you a loan of $50,000 or something. And in the world that we live in today with uh, all of the different funding options, that's become less and less important. Uh, I think I saw something tasty mystical games so stop it That's the only one I've ever heard of. Yeah. But I mean, it's a thing you can do. That's one of the reasons to, to, to be a corporate entity, right? Because um, that is a, a, a path to funding. And in the tech world, that's super common. Um, in other types of IP, it's less common. Sure, the, this is probably the most important thing as a business, um, is to register yourself and get a bank account that's separate from your bank account. Um, it's really hard. Uh, was there anybody that was here that was just in the last panel that was in this room, right? They were talking about making good decisions, right? Um, one of the biggest things from my perspective that's super important when you're talking about making business decisions is, is knowing when it's my money or when it's the company's money, um, even as a sole proprietorship, right? Because it's super easy to just blur all those lines, right? It's super easy to come to Metatopia and just discount all of the meals that you ate here as my money, right? As opposed to it was the business's money, right? Because all of those things are part of what those costs are. Uh, and when you open a business bank account, there are some advantages a big one is just getting a business credit card with your name on it. It makes you official. It's easy to, to, to separate your finances. Um, uh, it's always nice to, you know, cover that bill. We can worry about it next month uh, on the business card. So, um, what happens like, if you want to start a business with a person that has bad credit? Does that affect you when you open up business? Yes, absolutely. Bad credit is bad. Um, and if you're a sole proprietorship, right, um, your, your name is going to be on the credit search when they open that bank account. Um, so generally the best thing to do in those kind of situations is to um, put money in a bank account, right, I mean, and work towards your own personal credit. Now one of the nice things is, is an LLC um, isn't, right, you are, that, that's part of the shielding, right, um, which is one of those reasons why some people will do it because it's like, oh, well, it's just a business. But that means that business comes out of, you know, uh, comes out of nowhere. So it's not like the business has better credit, 
right? It has zero credit, which is just as bad as no credit. Um, so the sole proprietorship, you're paying the taxes out of your own personal money. What, what is the benefit of a separate bank account there? Just so you can track. I'm really just tracking it, and also so that you can. Um, uh, when you talk about paying your taxes, right, and especially as um, I don't know if you have any slides that are about the tax advantages. Um, not really. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, you can write lots of stuff off as a business, right? So as a sole proprietorship, you need to be able to track that because the only time it's ever going to be a problem is if the IRS comes knocking. And they say, prove to me that you did this. And if you could be like, oh, here's my, uh, here's my bank statement with all of the activities, and this is what we did, it's much easier than unraveling that from your own, right? Um, and now, I, since I work in a partnership, it's even more needed because we keep money that's the business's money, you know, in a pool together, right? And then we pay ourselves out of the pool when there's ever any you know, the few times that there's some cream on the top. Um, I have worked with people who have like done Kickstarters and it helps to have such an account just so the money goes there as opposed to your like partner's personal account and then hoping they give you those funds later. Yeah. As opposed to just going to that business account. And so we all know everything. Right. Um, uh, Kickstarter it requires um, you to connect it to a bank account, um, and you know connecting it to a personal bank account isn't a great idea uh, in general. Anyway, um, you know you want that to be clear uh, because that's the kind of income the government is the most interested in. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest Kickstarter failures for like long term for people is not realizing that Kickstarter is income. It's income the moment you receive it. And so you have to be able to say, oh, this is how much money I got from Kickstarter because that's income. It's just like just like a paycheck, right? It's coming in and then you're going to write against it from a tax perspective. Exactly, which is why you probably heard that advice, don't run a Kickstarter at the end of the year <laughs> because then you're gonna, you want to spend the money against the income that you brought in. So it's effectively, if you make some money off it, great, but you want to offset your expenses in the same like fiscal year, so you're not getting all this money paying, you know, seven thousand dollars of taxes on it, and then you have to make up for that in the next year when you're sourcing your game and paying fulfillment and all that. There's some different ways to handle that. It's all about how you recognize income as a business. So even as a sole proprietorship, you can say, "I'm not going to recognize this income," um, but you have to have that written so that you have an, uh, a procedure. That's a, that's a thing where we're starting to get into some of the more complicated pieces that CPAs are helpful. Um, we don't use a CPA, and we don't use a CPA because we actually, on our team, we have enough financial information that we don't need to pay that money. Like, even went to the CPAs, like, you know, six years ago, and the CPA was like, you know what you're doing? It was like the first time I ever went to a professional, and they were like, you don't, you don't need to pay me money. And it's like, oh, you're great. <laughs> yeah. So if, if I'm operating at a deficit, like if I've got a business bank account, that can't be negative. It so can't I have be. to put my personal money yeah. as a loan to my business yeah, to keep exactly. that positive? <laughs> yes. Wait, okay. but, but why, why, why? So you have a business bank account. So I've got a business bank account, which is where I can put all my income 
as a business yeah. and also my costs. Yeah, but you don't, but you're going to put costs against it. Right. Right. But if my costs are bigger than my income, it'll be negative, which is... But then you have to pay that some other way. You're not going to be able to pay it from that bank account. Yeah, so you have to give yourself money from your personal account. Call it an equity contribution. Yeah. Confuse, keep infusing your business bank account. Okay. So you, so you lose money. No, you would be spending the same amount anyway, but you're just like putting it into a different account. Um, one of the things that like we do there is, and, and, and it's weird in our in our industry. There's it, there's a thing that a lot of people don't realize is, is there's a couple of different ways to get some income streams. Um, so for like in the role playing side, so we have a Kickstarter stream, right? And then we have our regular sales stream. Then we have uh, our distributors stream, and then we have drive through RPG, right? Like so, like recently we had a little bit of a cash flow crunch, and we're like, oh, we should take some money out of drive through RPG. What a great idea! It was like kind of forgot that money. <laughs> There, so we go put that over here. It's just moving it around, right? It, it, it's all, you know. Most of us, um, we run. Uh, I don't know any. I don't know any company, any indie company that is big enough that doesn't run as a cash-based business. So again, so from a more complicated kind of business piece, you know, as a cash-based business, it's money in, money out, right? You get it in, you get it out. It, it, you're not forward projecting anything. There's there's no razzle dazzle that CPAs can do. Like, oh, we're going to recognize this income that we haven't actually gotten yet, so that we can process. There's just none of that. So, get a question? Yeah. Um, actually, is there any awareness around if you make making personal contributions to your business account, you're an LLC? Like, yeah. Is that uh, business income or is that just a regular transfer and there's no tax implications or I yeah I just like I have a Excel tracker where I literally like I put what category of like business income is it expenses and I put equity contribution so it's like it's my equity in the company right you're, you're tracking that for the future yeah, that says yeah, that you're doing yeah uh, that's not income right because you own both of the things Right, so it's not income because you're not paying yourself with your own money. It's not, you know, uh, otherwise you would just like fall. Everything would just, it's, it, the government, as awful as it is, isn't like an ATM machine. It's like, oh, this transaction's $2, this transaction's $2, and then your money's gone. Uh, but, uh, uh, but that is a, you know, it, that is a concern when you start to talk about uh, larger corporate entities where there are pieces about how you put money back and forth and when you can take it out. Um, one of the nice things about a sole proprietorship or a partnership is the money's just the money, right? It's it's always been yours, even if it's in a bank account that you use for business, a, a business bank account. It's still just your money. Yeah. Right? Um, and I also say um, real quick, I so I also like consult and I work as my business for co other companies. So like I'm not hired as Emily Escobar. I'm hired as my company. And all that income goes into my bank account, and I spend it on game stuff. So it's like, so it, you know, it doesn't matter that what I do has nothing to do with games. It's all like, yeah. you know, it doesn't. It literally doesn't matter, you know, how I'm getting paid or who's paying me. Well, it does, but like, you know, if I'm getting paid as a consultant, I just like have those contracts on hand. I keep everything filed away, and I use that money. I just offset, you know, my costs with my income that way. So you can definitely do that. You can ask people to hire you as your company. And get paid that way. They don't care. I mean, uh, again, they just ask for a tracking number. 
they do they do run through and they do connect to it. So you do get when you start a Kickstarter, um, it, it goes through. You have to get authorized via the bank uh, connection. You also have to back it up with a credit card, um, which seems kind of weird, but um, Kickstarter doesn't, uh, if something gets charged back, they can't charge it back into your bank account, so they have to have a place to charge it back to. So you have to actually also attach it to a credit card. Which should also be a business credit card. Which is what, yeah. the suggestion is, is that you get a business credit card to go with the business, especially when you're talking. It, when we, it, in the frame of a Kickstarter, um, unless what you're doing is something very small. If you're doing a $300 Kickstarter for pictures of kittens that you're painting, you know, whatever, just do your thing. But if it's for a game or a product, you, you really do want a business bank account and you, and you, and you want to get a credit card. Um, you know, even if it's just, even if that credit card is just a debit card that's attached to your bank account. Um, it's very easy right now. Um, if you set up a business PayPal account, um, you can get a PayPal debit card. It's just a debit card that goes back and forth to the PayPal account. Now that PayPal account is also back-ended attached to um, a checking account, just like your, your regular PayPal. So that, that's, that's a very clear, clean way without any credit implications because you know, you're not, it's not actually a credit card, it's just a debit card to your actual available funds. You do have to have a, the bank account though. I would say, like, personally, if you're going to look at a bank, I mean, all banks are great. They're, you know, I, I think they all do the same thing from a business perspective, but Chase has really good cashback deals. You can get, like, $800 back for opening a credit and a debit card with them and, like, meeting their minimum purchase requirements. So just, like, keep that in mind because that's free money. If you're, if you're coming up with, um, if you're coming up in a couple conventions, you're going to be spending some cash money to, like, hotels, flights, whatever, rent cars, and you think you're going to spend a lot of money. Go to Chase, check out their deals. Um, you'll get free money, so that's great. Emily works for yeah. Chase. Yeah, I do. I work for Chase. <laughs> I did a lot of research, so I try to at least pass on the things that I learned and hopefully save you some time too. One of the things that I'm most thankful for with partners is that uh, my partners care about that kind of minutiae so that I don't have to. Um, but they love. Um, uh, my one partner, his favorite game in the world is maximizing credit card points. Um, and as game designers, you can all appreciate the idea where you're like, hey, I got this card and I use it on that thing and that gave me points over here and I use those points to get this hotel room and that counted as double hotel stays and now I got status at Hilton and blah, blah, blah. You can, get, you can, go, you can go down the rabbit hole real fast. Uh, but if you're familiar with any of that at all, having a business credit card to do those things is much faster and easier way, especially with things like hotels. Like you, if you know you're going to be going to a bunch of conventions, um, putting it all on one corporate account, especially if even if you're putting your friends' rooms on and stuff, we always get multiple rooms and then end up transferring the rooms off. But we get all the points. <laughs> it's real, you know. Yeah. Uh, everything. Um, start talking about points on the business side. Um, every business function, like so, we bought a big. The, the company bought its own, for the first real asset the company ever bought was just a big, uh, you know, production level iMac, right? Um, but, you know, we, we got the points for that. On top of it, you know, uh, uh, that yeah. can make up, that can be one of the ways that you can get some perks out of your business without, that, that is 
perfectly legal, you know, it's Absolutely. not. Um, yeah. Like everything here, meals, your train tickets, you know, your hotel, everything, you can expense all of that. So that is, you know, deduct against your taxes at the end of the day. So just, even if you don't have a business bank account, keep track of everything you've spent and you can retroactively add that to your taxes at the end of the year. You don't have to necessarily have spent it on the credit card like today in order for it to count. Yeah, if you're going to, as a sole proprietorship or a partnership, um, the best reason to track as a business is that you can itemize and you can write off these expenses. Right. And expenses can be anything in the pursuit of your business. So all that travel cost, your computer, your internet bill, uh, you know, 10% of your house usually if you have a home office, even though in some states you have to prove that you use it exclusively for that. So I don't worry about that one. Um, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you're going to write that against whatever your income is from the business. So if you made $1,000 in the business, but you spent $3,000, that's negative $2,000, and that goes to reduce your personal tax burden. Now, when you have an LLC, it's a little bit different. And, uh, I'm not a tax attorney, so I'm not going to give any you know suggestions on that side. But there is lots of things to do to make it easier to run your business. Now, the one thing is, is you can't lose money forever. Um, if you continue to just lose money, eventually someone will come knocking on the door and say, it's amazing how... How do you continue? How does this business continue to operate if you've never turned a profit? Right? You have to at least. Uh, so there, there's some old rules. The reality is, is the IRS isn't going to. None of us are making enough money for the IRS to care, you know. Until until they do, right? And if they do, they care for the last seven years. So you have to you have to play the game forward. Absolutely. And is, is it easy to do that if you want to do any time? Yeah, I mean, uh, effectively, you as a sole proprietorship, you could just you could just start an LLC tomorrow, and you wouldn't have to do anything, right? You you just say that the LLC is taking on all of that activity. Now, where it gets a little weird is if you were to um, take a partnership and dissolve it. Um, and that's where that operating agreement comes back in. It's always easier to go up the chain, you know, keep pushing things into that entity. It's really about dissolution when you have to start worrying about it. And that's why, you know, we talk about having that operating agreement because it at least tells you what you're going to do in that event, right? Like if we're going to sell the company, we have to split it up or, you know, what happens if one of us dies? Right. It's all mine. I mean, we do have a friend that, that is a lawyer. I, I think the answer is you can always be sued for everything at any time, anywhere, by anyone. It depends on what, on a lot of the facts. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, I think that's a very complicated. So while we're not being recorded, 
Well, let's talk about that more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have something specific in mind. <laughs> I mean, what you can do if you want to make sure everything goes under the LLC, you can write into like um, your clause, your operating agreement, or whatever have you, like some official document that whatever was created, whatever assets were created, are now coming under the ownership of the LLC. So that does give you a place on so and again, when we talk about like that protection that a corporation has about your assets, right? Um, for the kind of things that you might get sued for, you can pierce that veil anyway. Like, you know, uh, if you stole someone's work, for instance, right? Like that's a that's the kind of thing, right? They could whether or not you're a sole proprietorship or an LLC, it's the same kind of thing. They can still go after you, right? You you that that malfeasance is something they can they can go after. The difference is is like if you. Uh, well, you start to get into debt policy and a bunch of other weird stuff. You guys, you guys have a question here? Yes, I have a question. So, I know you said earlier that if you were starting a Kickstarter with an LLC, you wouldn't do it at the end of the year. Where would you start at a Kickstarter? Um, so, that's a fraught question. Um, from a business perspective, it really doesn't matter when you're going to do it. Um, it does help to spend the money that you're going to raise in the same fiscal year. Um, as when you get it, just because it makes the bookkeeping easier. Um, but um, when to start a Kickstarter is really more about marketing than it is about business structure, and it has to do with the type of game and what your built-in market is. And, you know, it's, it's a re that's a really difficult question. Um, a lot of people don't do it to what Emma said. Like, if you do it in December and you get it on December the twenty eighth, like, and all of a sudden. Uh, on next year's taxes for this year, you're like, oh, and I got all that money at the end of the year because it's income. It, you, you have to report it, um, you know. But you can't. It's much easier if you're like, I got five thousand dollars in and I spent forty five hundred dollars to my manufacturer. You can just make that clear line, and it's you know plus five hundred dollars. But if it's fungible and stuff, so if you went to a bunch of conventions and things throughout the year, so you have a ton of expenses. And you run your Kickstarter at the yes. end of the year and get the money. Yes. I mean that that all still counts. Yep. So you totally. basically offset it. Correct. Yeah. Right. It's just about you know but now you have to be, be running that so that you understand that because if you just waved your hand and a bunch of money shows up even though you, you told the government that you that it was all consumed right that's where it's like oh I guess maybe we're gonna look to see where that money came from. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, did you push over a liquor store? Yeah. <laughs> um, it is kind of weird, but I mean, every business does that. I, I remember when I first when I first got out of college, I worked for this woman, and uh, she was a lovely person, but you know, uh, she worked in government, so she was a crook. And uh, I was super, super shocked at all of the things that businesses can get away with. But you'd be like, if a regular person does that, what do you get? And it's like, no, just, it's just, it's literally, it's literally legal, you know? Oh, I'm just, I got the money over here, right? One of the problems, one of the biggest problems that we have in the Kickstarter-driven uh, economy is that sometimes businesses get caught where they have to have, they, they, the only way that they can pay for their existing pieces is to do another Kickstarter, and then they have, then they're chasing that Kickstarter money, right? Because they're not, they're not recouping their expense, that front load, right? Because it's that same thing now, you know? In order to pay this bill, I need to be working on my next project. Very small experience I've had with uh, Kickstarter stuff. 
how we've typically done it in the way that we, you know, pay off all our stuff before we launch and sort of just like pay everything up front and then just like factor that into the amount for the Kickstarter that we're going to drop. Just so that we're not constantly chasing that. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can do that, that's just that's just good, solid, you know, fiscal fiscal constraint, right? Um, we we we've always I've always we haven't we haven't done it yet, but I'd like to get to a point where you know we launch a Kickstarter and the day we launch the Kickstarter, we've made the order for the product, um, but we have never we've never been that organized yet. We're always trailing some behind it. What's really weird is on the board game side, you almost have to do that these days. On the RPG side, it's still kind of the exact opposite where um, RPG fans are like, oh, you have this cool idea. Let's see if it's, if it's worth making. It's, I haven't written it yet. I'm just thinking about writing it. Where if you did that on the board game side, you would get crucified. They would be like, this guy's a scammer. We're alive. Um, and actually, Kickstarter changed its rules recently um, about renders. Um, you you can't you can't future project what a project what it's going to look like. Like if, if if you can have a prototype, but like I couldn't do like a three D render of what a thing is going to look like if I haven't actually made it. That's actually a rule now. Super weird. Would that like catch huh? Would that catch uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're definitely one of the ones that are yeah. but at least they're like oh this is what this is what the production molds look like oh, yeah, so they yeah, can yeah. show you that and they can show you a render if they're showing you where they're at from a production perspective are there so. more slides there are we can dive into it if you want to or not um, I just have a few more on IP trademarks copyrights patents if you want to take a quick we can do shallow dive into this um, I think it just it's Something I was super concerned with when I first came up with my game idea, I had a name I loved, and I was like, what if somebody else takes this name? I was really worried about it, and I was needlessly so. Um, you know, I don't think you don't have to do file it for a trademark. It is a bit expensive. It's a bit of a headache, and you I, have a lot of I have no idea. What did, what did, do you mind saying what you spent on a trademark in um, I want to say it was like $600. $600. Or, so yeah. in Pennsylvania, it's $600 to just file the trademark paperwork. Um, that requires yeah, that you. Yeah, bad actually. That's a real <laughs> deal. Well, yeah. I mean, you're in California, right? Yeah, it's like no. four hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Average outside of the, outside of the game industry, it's like eighteen yeah. hundred to twenty five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. Yeah, in, in PA, six hundred six hundred is usually what I see. A thousand dollars if you're hiring someone else to do it. You know, like that's like. Um, but the the reality is is trademark protection isn't magic, right? Um, as works of creative, or there's things that we have copyright protection for intrinsically, right? You don't need to spend anything, there's no extra piece, right? And in the world of games, a lot of the things that people want to protect are not protectable, right? Like so, mechanics. Yes, like for instance, <laughs> game mechanics, right? Um, what you, but what, one of the things you can most protect is the name of something. And so the only time that really I, I personally think to be thinking about a trademark is, like I said, if, if you have something that you're like, this is. But again, I've had a business for 20 years. We put out a number of different products, and I don't own a single trademark. 
Though I do have a book that's covered in trademarks because the joke is that we trademarked everything in the book. So like we even trademarked the word trademark. So it's all bullshit. Yeah. So that's the, it's the real secret. So I know this is a lot of words on a slide again. So I'm gonna tell you that I pulled all of this from my website. Um, it's I wrote a blog post like series that has everything. It's pluckoffgame.com. P L U C C K off game.com. That's the name I trademark also. So you can go there and see my lovely little TM registered trademark. Um, so so if you want to like find all this after and you know like revisit it, it's there. But just really quick, um, you know, just know that like if you want to do go through the trademark registration process, you absolutely can. There are cheap ways to do it. Like $600, like you said, is not a crazy fee. If you're really worried about it and you want that official protection, you can go through the process and at least like gives you peace of mind at the end of the night that like no one's gonna take your name. Um, so just, this is also a clause where having a business name really helps because you can register the trademark under your business name against your like apartment number is not listed on the website for the US Trade Patent Office, which is fully searchable and fully public and it's gonna be out there. You can go, you can look up Exploding Kittens on, on um, their searchable database and see what they did as an example you know, of how, to, um, how they filed it. So look up favorite games that you have, see how they've done it. Um, so much spam now, Tom. Yes, so again, you wanna go so through an attorney yeah. to do this. You definitely, definitely wanna hire an attorney. Like that is zero, zero questions asked, do that. They know, how, again, know how to do it correctly. Um, the thing with this, and if you've been watching some favorite celebrity news lately, is that the US Patent Office trade office can like reject your trademark application. They can say this is no good, you know, rejected, your money's no good here, and you lose out on that money. So just know that a, a registered trademark lawyer will help you determine whether or not your trademark is like a viable candidate for getting approved. So they can like counsel you on that. They can give you advice as far as you know whether to register as in use or not, which means that you're actually selling your game. If you can also register as not in use if you're not selling your game, so they'll give you all that counsel. So definitely, definitely hire a lawyer if this is what you want to do. It doesn't cost that much. If you go to my website, you'll find this recommendation also. I use a service called JBG Legal. They are based in New York. They were fantastic. And they work for JBG. I also work for them. I work for all these companies. So. <laughs> uh, one, one, one set of caveats that I will put out there when it comes to things like trademarks and all of that is that um, if you are a designer, you know, who's looking to protect and control your IP. None of this is gonna help you, right? Having a trademark is not something that uh, a publisher cares about, right? If they're gonna trademark it, they're gonna trademark it, right? Um, in fact, if you have a trademark on something that you're trying to sell to them, right, probably, I know as myself as a publisher, I would be worried, I'd be like, why, why are you trying to sell me a trademark, right? Um, it gets really, it gets really strange. Um, uh, Personally, my publisher so. Yeah. Just, no, no, yeah, yeah. Came over, yeah. Like it's uh, fine again, if you do. But, uh, like yeah. everything else, um, trademark protection um, uh, is all about your willingness to enforce it, um, and all of these things involve, you know, suing people, right? None of these things are, you know, it's not like the cops come to your house and they're like, "Hey, man, using that guy's trademark, you gotta stop doing that right now." It just, you have the right to sue them, right? Uh, and, and you know you probably win the case, right? But who are you? If 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 you you have a trademark and the where the infringement you believe is happening is with Hasbro, good luck, bro. 
right? You know, uh, if it's uh, against Emily, if, if, if you know, th th that's going to be a different story, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all of those things are crazy. There's a nastier edge with the trademarks. You have to go after people you think. Well, right, yeah, because yeah. if you don't, lose it. right, if you copyright, you can pick and choose your battles. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Like if uh, if somebody is infringing on my copyright and I don't go after them, I don't lose any of my copyright protection. Whereas if I have a trademark and someone else uses it and they begin to use it, they gain it if I don't fight them, right? And that's happened. Uh, that's happened a lot. Um, you know, especially with large companies that are willing to just be like, well, you know, I'm willing to go to court for this because it's much easier. This is where we're going to put our marketing money. Right? So. I don't know. I didn't see that. Yeah, they don't have a trademark on Big Mac in Europe There you go. Yeah. That's great. But yeah, the, I mean, the cheap way to do trademark, you know, copyright protection, just protect your IP, is to put up a website and you know put it all over put the game name all over your website you know like make sure that you're you have like a copyright at the bottom of the, the website you know in the little very bottom area it's like copyright my company name 2019 just that that gives you protection believe it or not so like having that presence that web presence is, is very important yeah uh, i've seen people just write the words copyright do you have that like go nope that's all you have no. to do just write it or do you just you just write copyright. Parent C, close parent, copyright. Since 1983, you have not even needed to do that. You don't even need yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah. Right. Don't even need to do it. If, if someone's yeah. doing that, it's because it's a previous thing, but international. Right, it's not the, 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 the intrinsic, the act of making the piece is what provides the copyright. Right. So, I mean, I put a copyright with a date on everything, especially things that, uh, because we've done multiple editions of things, right? So it's always about which one was that. You know, that's the one from 91. So. Uh, thank you all. Uh, hopefully this was... Uh, Will you have these slides up on your site? The, it's like a blog series on my site. So if you go to like the blog and hit, there's a Business 101 series and it's all, all of this and more is there. Pluckoffgame.com. Very, very businessy. Yes. Super pro. <laughs> Super pro. Yeah. Thank you, Emily and Chris.